What's up, everybody? I'm your host, Tiffany Hoyd, and I'm riled up to bring you the hottest Redskin topics with a twist. You know the deal. We are here to talk about the Redskins, and here to help me talk about our favorite team is none other than Mark Gray. Gray has had a long career as a sports radio and multimedia personality within the DMV. He grew up in this community and is actually one of the initial people to have provided me with an internship within uh, this massive market that is D.C. and the DMV. He's a D.C. guy and a Redskin fan. Without further ado, welcome to the show, Mark. <laughs> I don't know if I want to say I'm part of that Burgundy and Gold culture <laughs> because there's some people who wouldn't put me on the air anymore because I chose to refer to them as Burgundy and Gold yeah. and not by their proper name, thinking I'm making a political statement. I just want to put that on the record. It has nothing to do with politics. Mm-hmm. It's just about me being uncomfortable using a term that offends a lot of people. But I appreciate the kind words, and it's great to have an opportunity to be with uh you know, a protege of sorts today. Well, you know, I always appreciate your time, Mark, uh, as always. But to just jump right into things, how do you think that the Mighty Mighty Redskins are going to fare with the Ravens in this final preseason game and then in that initial regular season game with the Philadelphia Eagles? Well, I don't see either them or uh, the Ravens lining up. I think we're going to have two reasonable facsimiles of teams who mm-hmm. are fake. And let me just go ahead and get <laughs> it out there on blast, Tiffany. <laughs> I think the preseason is a farce. I, I think it's, yep. it's, it, it's a disgraceful and despicable act on the NFL owners <laughs> to bleed the fans of full price for fake football and you know we hear a lot about fake news this is fake football i mean a couple of weeks ago aaron Rodgers comes to town and he tweaks his back he's having uh spasms fans in baltimore hoping to go see him for at least one series he's unable to play (laughs) you know those are the kind of things uh when you're paying for full price you should be able to get you know, at least full participation of some sorts. And Absolutely. then you got to deal with players saying, you don't understand what we go through. <laughs> we got feelings too. Well, hell, I'm a fan and I got bills to pay, but I put you into my budget and you can't reward me with that. So let's just put a sock in it. That being yeah. said, um, I don't think you get related to this weekend any indication of what's going on other than the fact that Dwayne Haskins is probably going to play the longest amount that he's played this year. Mm -hmm. I would suspect that barring injury and we just hope that God nothing happens because of the curse that seems to have hovered over this team. Um, We just hope to God that nothing happens to him, but I would expect to him to probably play maybe two and a half, three quarters because Case Keenum's been named the starter you want him to, uh, you know, be healthy for the Eagles game and Haskins to be healthy to relieve um, uh, Case Keenum somewhere around the eighth week of the season where the team's like either three, five, two, and six, and then you begin your future right now. They got to identify who his weapons are in the passing game, you know, 
Um, who's who's the go-to guy on third down? Who's the guy you're going to bank going to get into the open area, into the zone? Who's the guy that can take the ball off the top? And if it's a series of those young players like Cam Sins and Terry McLaurin, then you may maybe they will have identified themselves right now. But that would be the concern for me for Burgundy and Gold fan. Uh, you got this tremendously talented quarterback who's shown the ability to deliver all the passes. I mean, somewhere between Dak Prescott to me mm-hmm. and Pat Mahomes, there's Dwayne Haskins, uh, just mobile enough to make some things happen outside the pocket. Uh, classic drop back passer enough to be a uh, 65, 70% completion guy. Uh, all I would wonder is if in a game situation where he has to deliver a two minute drive in Dallas, can he in fact handle that? Can he win a game, come from behind fashion in New York and Philadelphia when you need to steal one late in the season. Those are the questions that you don't find out until he gets there. But, you know, he's the future. The kid can play. And I just think it's a, a an, embarrass- an embarrassment, if you will, of black quarterback riches you know, field generals, as they like to refer to themselves, on either side of the parkway. I mean, you got Lamar Jackson in Baltimore, Dwayne Haskins, who's going to start. Never thought I'd live to see the day, A, there would be a black president, and B, we'd have two black starting quarterbacks in Baltimore and Washington. It's amazing uh, historical feat, and I guess with the kind of black quarterbacks that's in the game right now, um, it shouldn't be something, it's no longer something that's truly appreciated, but to me, who was around to see how Warren Moon got scrutinized, to watch how Jefferson Street Joe Gilliam got played in Pittsburgh, mm-hmm. to watch Marlon Briscoe have to be uh, turned into receivers, and Charlie Ward not to give a chance. Uh, you know, I'm almost overwhelmed to a little bit by the historical significance of that. You know, and um, also to that sentiment, it's important as Redskin fans that we don't get ahead of ourselves because we have a tendency to do that. If you look at the RG3 situation, he didn't have everything he needed to be successful, whether that was a, a proper trainer, whatever it may be in that situation. We got ahead of ourselves. It's easy to make these comparisons, but are we going to give him everything he needs to be successful so that he can be that quarterback, that guy for us? Well, uh, that's a great point, but a couple things at play here. I think, quite frankly, while RG3 may be better as a sports center top 10 quarterback, Mm -hmm. I would have to say Dwayne Haskins looks to be a potentially more polished all-pro caliber back at the same time coming into the league. Now, I was traveling heavily a lot in the Southwest doing a lot of SWAT games the last couple of seasons of RG3's career. So you get up early in the morning in the central time zone, uh, you can watch – you know, Baylor games. So I saw, you know, five or six Baylor games, and I was always struck by RG3 as a dynamic athletic weapon. 
But I never thought about him truly as a all-in quarterback until he had that fantastic rookie season, which we know to be yeah. a fluke. I never was a big fan of his fundamentals, the way he passed. He's always thrown off the back foot, but he can make up for his mistakes in college by being the most explosive playmaker on the field. I look at Dwayne Haskins, and I don't see the most explosive playmaker on the field. I see a hell of a good quarterback. I see a guy who can throw the out route at 40 yards and drop mm -hmm. it over the bucket in a two-deep zone. I see a guy that can just lead a receiver out there 60 yards down the field, let him go after it and get it like Deshaun Jackson used to do. I just see certain fundamental skills that I don't, I didn't see an RG3 that Haskins possesses. When I look at the upside, yeah, RG3 was going to sell a lot of jerseys, a lot of sneakers. He was going. He he had the potential to be a bigger football personality. I think Dwayne Haskins is just a flat out uh, quarterback baller who is going to unify his team where RG3 kind of was prima donnas and tore him apart. And ultimately, I think that's why uh, Haskins ends up having a longer career as a, uh, you know, all pro caliber playoff contending type signal caller that RG3 was not. I honestly think that is kind of unfair to RG3. I think we don't necessarily give him the benefit of the doubt and truly talk about the fact that this man, he was injured and he was forced to come back. Well, not forced. He, he, they didn't make him do anything, but he had to come back early and he didn't need to come back that early. They should have sat him. And we saw the remaining trickle effects of that. We saw him get in his head. We saw him lose his confidence. I'm talking about before the injury. My whole thing was, and I was like, you know, I bought into it. I saw some of those dynamic plays that he made, and I was all in coming back the second season. But me personally, Mark Gray, the talk show host at the time, who was on the fan, openly campaigned for Russell Wilson. I'll never <laughs> get any credit for that. Oh, I don't yeah. have any... Uh, I, I'll never get credit for that. But I was the one who wanted to take uh, Russell Wilson, say, in the third round, which is when he went. And instead of getting Kirk Cousins, you get RG3. And I mean, I mean, um, uh, uh, Russell Wilson. So you just look at the character and the presence that he would have, the calming influence and the stability at that position that would have probably trickled down and made things a lot easier. I mean, because you look at the receivers that he's been working with. I mean, yes. nobody's going to look at, you know, uh, Paul Richardson and uh, the kid that just retired, whose name escapes me right now, um, as, as Hall of Fame caliber receivers. He's never really had a chance to really uh, get it in with uh, Jimmy Graham. So, uh that was Doug Baldwin, I believe. Yeah, Doug Baldwin yeah. is who I, who I was thinking about, right? Um, so I don't. I, I think he's done that with the dearth of riches, as far as like you know, an abundance. So you start looking at uh, what he's done, and that's what I wanted. I mean, and then you could have gone out, you got yourself a safety or a lockdown quarter in the first round. So that 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 mistake, <laughs> in retrospect. Uh, which was all about marketing, which was all about, you know, having a uh, black 
quarterback in Chocolate City because we all know, Tiffany, that in D.C., this is not a college football town, okay? Oh, yeah. um, it, 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 it's NFL. You know, yeah, it, it's it's the NFL and high school, quite frankly. Yeah, um, you, you know, uh, you go to the outskirts, the tremendously talented high school players. You, you you're in town. I mean, you know, just the level of people. You know, recently, heck, Vernon Davis, tight end for the Burgundy and Gold, is a Dunbar High School graduate from the District of you Columbia, D.C. Public Schools. So that's that that that's the football demographic of this town. And if you're not watching college football, you miss it. That's why I love college football so much. You know, and speaking of Vernon Davis, I was actually reading something, a fan blog, and they were saying that we need to look into trading some guys like Vernon Davis and a Colt McCoy, especially after that Andrew Luck scandal, uh, trade them possibly to the Indianapolis Colts for a supplemental pick or something. Um, because we have we have a quarterback battle, but to be honest, we know Hassan's is going to sit, and we know that – Case Keenum is going to be the guy. We don't need all those quarterbacks right now. Let me ask you a question. Have you seen the offensive line? <laughs> yes. Have yes. you? Okay. Yes. So there is no such thing as having too many quarterbacks when you have a putrid offensive line at the one this team has. <laughs> this team last year went into their third-string quarterback and had to find a fourth to finish the season. Okay? So uh, in my humble opinion, we can – pump the brakes on any kind of worries about the ego and the battles of a quarterback until you make sure that damn offensive line is worth one. All right, let's just uh, Well, we know we have to we know we have to probably figure out how to get Trent Trent Williams to stay. We have to figure out how to sure up some of those positions. Maybe we should trade for a for an offensive lineman down the line. Yeah, well, you know, all right, if I got a good offensive lineman, I ain't trading Colt McCoy for him. <laughs> <laughs> well, we just need I'm a sorry. decent offensive lineman at this point. Well, I I I I don't know even if if I think you can get anything because Colt McCoy is fragile. He's not a commodity. You know, it's almost like Jordan Reed. You can't get nothing on a used car, so you might as well give it away to cars for kids. You know what I'm saying? Uh, it's just, we can it's get simple. a supplemental pick. Oh, okay, you know, uh, <laughs> if you say so, I wouldn't I wouldn't be willing to fork up, my, you know, and, and it's really sad to see what's going on with Jordan Reed because his body's just, his, his head won't allow I'm gonna play football. He's got to retire, you know. So I'm gonna publicly say it. It's not that because I, I think, I think Tiffany, and I'm gonna say something that's gonna make people in Kansas City mad. When healthy and when right, the best pass catching tight end in pro football is, is Jordan, Jordan Reed. Reed. There's, there's no doubt about it. He just can't stay healthy. I just think it's it's when one of those situations. That- is that an organizational issue? Because no, it seems like him. the Redskins have a. Well, no, because his is a propensity for uh, for uh, um, concussions. Yeah. Um, everybody or some players just have certain parts of their bodies that are just vulnerable, and we've seen when you have a vulnerable head, how that can affect your life from. Junior Seau to Dave Dorson to Aaron Hernandez, you know, the list of CTE folks 
continues in the in the way. Aaron guys, Hernandez was a little deeper than CTE. <laughs> yeah, but that I think that had that had something to do with it. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Because you know the behavior that would lead you to, uh, you know, be part of a murder conspiracy after just signing a uh, an agreement for eight million dollars lets you know. And I don't mean to make fun of it, yeah. but he had to be crazy. <laughs> I mean, he had he was about ready to really live his good life. He was going to be certainly the kid. He had more talent really than um, Rob Gronkowski. You know, uh, in many respects, he was to New England what Jordan Reed was. Or is I should say the Washington, just a more gifted, fluid, athletic talent who could mm-hmm. do incredible things, and he had just gotten paid. The organization had his back, and then he embroils on a a a killing spree, escapade. <laughs> yeah. Well, no, he was convicted, yeah, so well. it's been it's been proven by a jury of his peers. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So you, you put all that into the mix right there. We've seen what CTE can do, and I think that for Jordan Reed's life 20 years from now, he's still a fairly young man. I think he's 26, 27 years old tops. You'd like to see him have 50 more years on the planet. You know what I'm saying? And I just don't think that if he plays any longer, he'll be able to make it perhaps another 20. And then if if he's got a chance to get out, you let him out. And if you're Washington, quite frankly, from a pure business and football decision, Vernon Davis may have to be your starter. You may have to mix and match he Uh, and Jeremy Sprinkle. and, and, And just, you know, even if you have to cut, Jay Reed, and you I, don't I cut Jay Reed. You, you don't yeah, cut you him. Do. Yeah, you do. You can't yeah, afford you to cut him because if someone picks well, him up, well, you do because you know why you afford to cut him because you might be able to find yourself another left tackle or offensive lineman that gives you some versatility, and you'll need that spot up front to block. And I think the productivity that you get out of Vernon and Sprinkle can offset what you lose from Jason Reed. I mean, from uh, uh, Jordan Reed, only because you don't know if he's going to be there, and you got to have that. You got to do something with the football spot. You need that spot. You only got fifty-three of them. I think you can only hide nine of them on your practice squad. You mm-hmm. need that spot for a team that don't have a great deal of depth in the offensive front. And you may need to look to pick up a, a receiver that can help offset the. Uh, Malady that is there. I can see that. If you, get, if you get rid of Jordan it. Reed, you definitely need to be picking up a wide receiver because if, mm-hmm. if you can block all you want, if you don't have anybody that you can throw down the field to and then be successful in that, you're not going to have any success. And that's the point I'm trying to make. So I don't want Jordan Reed to be gone. I just don't think he'll ever be great. Mm-hmm. I think he'll be. Okay, and I'm just gonna I'm gonna tell him like an OG because I had a conversation with one of your Howard brethren that'll be airing on the ShadowLeague.com. Can I get a shameless plug in here? <laughs> yeah. uh, I got I got I got thirty brilliant million uh, minutes coming up next week with uh, Antoine Bethea, you know, who is an OG in the league yeah. right now. Howard, Howard, and, you know, Howard guy that went in and became a starter. And is flirting with the Hall of Fame. Don't have enough interceptions to probably be revered as one of the great 
uh, safeties because that's the only analytic that we have. But when you look at all the other things and his great stories, he may not be a pro football Hall of Fame, but he's damn sure going to go into the Black College Hall of Fame. So check out the ShadowLeague.com um, next week for that. And uh, I also got a little tease that's going on on my social media accounts at the Sports Groove, little video montage that I put on there. And, uh, you know, if the folks at Madden are listening, he thinks he should be at 80 or 90 all time. <laughs> I think this year he's a 77. And uh, while he tries to play like he doesn't like that, uh, I, I don't think he's cool with that. <laughs> no, I bet he's not. <laughs> but, but uh, yeah, uh, I forgot where we are. I just had a senior. We were moment. talking. We were talking about uh, the wide receiver position. Yeah, they and... got. They got. They, they they got to get some weapons, and, and until they find some weapons, that's another reason why I don't feel that um, Dwayne Haskins. Uh, should be starting right now until they identify those guys in the pass routes who are going to be where they're supposed to be. And after he continues with his mental reps, uh, he's going to be banking on them to get there. They need some time to grow. And then, um, you know, who knows? If you catch lightning in a bottle with Kate's Keenum for a year and he's your Nick Foles, ride or die and keep him in bubble wrap for a whole season. <laughs> Something that a lot of NFL fans, it's not just Redskin fans, have a problem with is we get ahead of ourselves. We want to talk about the offense. We want to talk about all the running backs out there, the wide receivers out there. But you can win some football games with defense. It's a it's an old school approach, but I think this team is going to have a silver lining in that, in the fact that we now have a pretty solid defense going into this season. Oh, now let's be real for a second. You hadn't asked me about the defense. That's yeah. going to be the strength of the team. Oh, if absolutely. they are going to be a contender, they're going back to old school football. They're going to be the Hogs, hopefully. Yeah, they have, they have the ability. And stop the run. You got two backs, well, three when you consider Chris Thompson, and the fact that you're able to hide a Bryce Loves on the sidelines and let him get healthy. Nobody's talking about a guy that was a Heisman Trophy contender until he tore his knee up that's chilling in the cut right now (laughs) and will be a better version of Chris Thompson, believe it or not, when he steps onto the field. Let's let's make no mistake about that. That kid from Stanford can simply ball and get him where he did and take him where they took him and to be able to package him and keep him quiet on the side until he's healthy enough to make a contribution. Now, again, it remains to be seen whether it be this year or next year. He will help that team. That being said, they can run the football this year. Hopefully, Darius Geis is not injury-prone. We've got that catastrophic injury out of the way because I could see a transition from Adrian Peterson and Darius Geis as your two primary backs to Darius Geis and Bryce Love, and then you keep Chris Thompson around. But you got four pers- four people probably for three spots next year or really even on the active roster. And uh, it's good that you can have three people right now and just focus on them to touches. I don't think any of them should have to carry the ball more than 15 times. I think 15 times to Adrian Peterson could get you 100 yards Absolutely. because he's a monster. And if you get like, you know, 60 to 75 yards from Darius Geis, you're going to win a lot of football games because that's going to make Chris Thompson better in the backfield 
you can line him up, and then you know you take the pressure off of the quarterback. You know, for sure. Well, the offensive line because you got guys that that are well, they you know. <laughs> and, and, and see, that's the point I'm trying to make. Like Chris, uh, what was his name? The old uh, player personnel guy said they're football players. They'll stand in there and they're uh, Scott McClure, Scott McLuhan. Uh, they're football players. They'll make that block, and you know Adrian Peterson blocks. I think yeah. Darius Geis blocks. Uh, Chris Thompson too small a block, but you just need one of those guys to hold a block long enough mm-hmm. so that you can dump it down to Chris Thompson, let him get in the open space, or Bryce Love when he cuts back. I mean, so I think it's definitely going to be a ball control type of offense if your guy, Jay Gruden, is disciplined mm-hmm. enough with his play calling to run when you're supposed to run. And pass when you have to pass. I think Not that pass that's gonna when be you want to pass. That's going to be their sneak of attack because so many people are going to be running that 3-4 defense that we see so much in the league. And so when you have a dual back offense um, and you have that ability to bring in some more backs that can get some yards, that can be a way for you to supplement your offense. But in honesty, I think that we, pay, we are paying a lot of attention to this offense um, for the Redskins and what it's lacking but I think that we're just not talking enough about the fact that this this defense is really built up. They have some vets in Norman and Dominique rogers Camardi. They have Landon Collins. Then they have these young guys that are going to come in, like Jimmy Moreland and Adonis Alexander. And then that's just on the back end because that was what was ailing us last year, not to mention what's up front and at that linebacker position. You have this, you have this defensive combination that is – in my opinion, kind of bears this. You can probably see them turning into a defensive powerhouse. Is Greg Minuski ready to turn loose the dogs? Does he know how to turn loose the dogs from a player, uh, play calling standpoint? Because I think some of those blitz packages that we're going to see from Rob Ryan are going to be ridiculous. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, uh, that's what he did in, 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 in uh, all his previous stops, uh, his big brother Rex mm-hmm. had Baltimore's defense terrorizing the league because yeah. it puts. I'm anxious to see what they do blitz wise. I'm anxious to see can they put pressure on Dak? Can they hit him early in the game so he's just slow enough to make mistakes later on? I really loved Landon Collins. I think that the things that they've done systematically, defensively, have, definitely. Well. This team during the offseason went through the transition to play ball control. Mm-hmm. Hey, you know, w- whether you want to look at it or not, and, I, and that's the thing. They said, okay, what we're going to do is we're going to build around two running backs and we're going to build around our defense and we'll find a quarterback. Yeah. And Haskins happened to be there for the future. You bring Keenum in on a one-year deal. And, uh, you know, this is <laughs> probably Colt McCoy's farewell tour. And then it, <laughs> it That's all we need the, to get a supplemental pick. Someone the, the, needs a Colt McCoy right now. <laughs> you know, the Colt McCoy uh, farewell tour. And fittingly enough, in every town they'll be right there to give him gifts. <laughs> and I could see some people actually giving him, well, 
crutches. Oh, wow. (laughs) (laughs) Traction, you know, knee braces. Wow. That's not You know, (laughs) a lot of weed for the pain, but that's a topic for another show. Uh, (laughs) Can't do that one. We don't need a Josh Gordon. <laughs> well, you know, he'll be out of the league now. And remember, in certain places like Colorado, California, and uh, even the District of Columbia, you too can get the marijuana card <laughs> and deal with your pain issues by using cannabis. Not an advertisement. <laughs> I mean, not an advertisement no. at all. I'm just <laughs> saying that, you know, those would be some of the gifts that Colt McCoy would be getting on his farewell tour. But uh You'd be surprised how long how long some of um these third, fourth string quarterbacks can float around the league and and get that vet minimum. Colt McCoy is not one of them. This is a guy that <laughs> is out for the season after diving for a first down. He hurts himself. The only this is the only franchise in the league that could have a quarterback that hurts itself. I mean, let's be real for a second. That happened with Gus Farratt. You don't remember him. I don't even know if you were born. But this is a guy who rammed his head into the padding after scoring a touchdown at the RFK Stadium and was lost for the year. (laughs) Okay? Let's be clear for a second. This is the kind of stuff that happens around here. Speaking of RFK... Should the Washington Redskins be moving back to RFK? No, no, no. <laughs> they should uh, stay where I, they're at. Um, if I had my druthers, it would be somewhere down there in the waterfront. I think they built it up too much, so you can't use the stadium anymore. I just don't know. And you know, there's a thought that they could go back down there, but and they do have like you know, well, they lost the uh uh ability to tailgate when they put those football fields in. I think the streets are too small for the amount of traffic. You do yeah. have uh, public transportation that is indeed available, but all things considered, I just think that you know, that's kind of happened already. Uh, the, the the stadium should be in town. I don't know if, if, if that's the piece of property that you want to put it there, but you know, I think there's still some places that might be able to um, afforded in Southeast, if you got a big plot of land that's not doing anything, uh, but with the high rises, the office buildings, the, uh, you know, uh, lofts, uh, townhomes, all that stuff that's going on down there, it's really hard to find a spot. But I think personally, they should be back in the district in a multi use facility, preferably a dome. And that way, D.C. gets into the loop for the big shows. You know, you become a player in the um, Final Four mix. You know, uh, things of that magnitude uh, that that you could use it. You know, um, all things considered, man, I really wish that they could have worked something out on that land where Audi Field is, Mm -hmm. where the... um, uh, soccer team, DC United plays. Yeah. Um, and, and you could have probably made it about 20,000, 20, 25,000 seats, maybe 30,000 seats bigger, be somewhere between 55 and 60. That's sustainable. Uh, because I don't know if the, this team has currently, cause well, 
I don't know if DC is a 75,000 seat uh, fan filling franchise anymore, particularly with all the options and the way that people are getting the game. I mean, if you can stay at home and it's cheaper to tailgate with your friends That's and do the bad game, yeah, you know what I'm saying? So if you look at a 55 to 60,000 seat spectrum, you know, maybe you do think about raising uh, RFK Stadium and, you know, forcing people to public transportation. Do the folks in Virginia, however, want to come from places where Metro uh, seems to always break down? I mean, let's be clear for a second. We're, you know, uh, the blue and yellow lines all the way out, like towards Franconia, you know, northern, yeah. the real rich parts of northern Virginia. Um those fans can't get there on public transportation. I mean, who wants to drive and then have to catch a bus and then drive again? But you you're know having what I mean? to drive all the way to Maryland, to FedEx right. field. Right, right. And, 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 and you know some There are a lot of people who aren't <laughs> either. <laughs> That's why, uh, Tiffany, I'm old enough to remember where they didn't have to advertise on TV to sell tickets. There were no group packages. There were people who were willing when they passed away. And I mean willing as in, you know, I leave unto my dearly <laughs> beloved son 25 years of Birmingham huh? season two. Yeah, it, it was that big. I mean, you know, uh, there were there were there were waiting lists for people in season tickets now. They're peddling off game-by-game packages on various uh, regional sports television networks, which is something when I was a child, you would never think of. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's – it, so I, maybe the sustainability is gone. Maybe you want to think in the realm of uh, 60 uh, – 55 to 65,000 seats uh Perhaps make it a dome, a multi-purpose facility for pro stuff, uh, built the way that they did in Atlanta or Jerry World. But you know, uh, Snyder's going to want to have a, a, a eighty thousand seat mega facility, and um, I don't know if that plot of land in D.C. where RFK he, is no, is there, uh, something that can handle that. S, uh, Southeast. He could probably do that in Southeast, but mark my words, if they build a stadium in Southeast D.C., that'll be the final gentrification of D.C. Well, that'll be it, the finale. And, and, and gentrification is coming to Prince George's County yeah. uh, one day at a time, but to the original point, I just don't know if if uh, D.C. is ever going to be an 80,000-seat stadium any longer because I think people are going to realize now, and, and, and you all's generation just does it different. And you all's generation of Burgundy Gold fans don't remember the greatness of the Hogs. That's just, oh yeah, well, you know, okay. I ain't never seen that. You know, I've seen, <laughs> I seen the internet. I've seen Obama's president. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> you know, uh, we, you know, it's, it's a new world order, y'all. Oh, wow. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? It, it Really, you haven't. The organization has failed you under Daniel Snyder's leadership. You took a tremendous legacy and and profitability and turned one of the marquee franchises, 
quite frankly, into a joke. It is not even a character caricature of itself anymore. It is a comic strip, and you just hope that uh, uh, things are about to turn because I would like to see you all act a fool, and I'm speaking of generation, yeah. and not kill each other. So I'm not saying that I don't want to see anybody go off with like guns or stuff, but there was nothing like the night in uh, 1983 when, uh, uh, I mean, I'm sorry, 1991, 1989, 87, I forgot, somewhere along those lines, when Doug Williams uh, led Washington to the Super Bowl. I mean, for civic, cultural, social pride, it was incredible. It was the best Super Bowl night of the three that were won here. Mm-hmm. And there was, there was nothing like it. I mean, and, and as great as the Caps celebration was, imagine that threefold, you know, in Georgetown. Mm-hmm. Wisconsin and M was lit <laughs> the way that you've never seen it before. And, 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 and that's the legacy that Snyder inherited and didn't do a good enough job caretaking for it to pass it to your generation and what you've done is it's been 30 years things have changed uh you can watch the games at home you can keep abreast with everything going on through red zone you don't have to pay ridiculous and enormous 12 dollars for a beer you gotta be kidding me yeah, in this in this age of media and everything coming so quickly it is a tough time to not win because you, it is. You really and, off. Right. And then, you know, people don't necessarily fall in love with the team. They have their favorite players now because of fantasy. And that's a real, uh, a, a real issue here. And then this team hasn't won. Now, this is a bandwagon franchise. If you start winning, everybody will jump on you. I don't care Absolutely. if you're the, the pro football franchise or George Mason going to the Final Four. You know, um, the town gravitates towards winners. And mm. and this franchise has not consistently performed at the level that my generation got used to. Uh, our generation is shrinking. Your generation is growing. You guys are haven't seen and don't really understand the, the you know, there's a thing in business called return on investment, ROI. <laughs> and the fan investment that the millennial generation has made into this franchise has been, well, negligible. You know, you, you have by no means got anything out of what you've invested into it. If, 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 if it was stock, I you would kill it. You as a generation should have have sold a long time ago and and picked up another team. We cashed in. (laughs) We got three of them. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? We got five trips. I mean, between, say, 72 and 91, I had five trips. I remember all of them. I remember, you know, the heartbreak allusion to the uh, and I was a little kid, like maybe six years old, but it was the heartache of losing to the Dolphins, who were the perfect team, and being in that game. <laughs> I, I remember that vividly with my elders, like watching and being like, oh, you know, everybody's like, we still got a chance to win the game. 
and and it just didn't work out. The offense were that good. I remember uh, '91 when Rico went racing down the sidelines, and it was like I I can die now and be at peace. <laughs> and now understanding that, and then I remember just really being embarrassed the next year when Marcus Allen ran down the field, and I was why I was like, oh oh, and you can see it was coming because. You got a break against the Niners on a phantom pass interference call by uh, on Ronnie Lott. You remember all that. Yeah, I remember that well. And then by the time I moved to Atlanta to start my career in 91, and I'm just sitting watching Mark Rippon just, I mean, just throw the ball like it was something incredible. It was like he had a, he had a Joe Flacco kind of year. You know, when he took the Ravens to the Super Bowl, it was just like, he threw that ball. They had the, you know, the best uh, or the uh, most scored, I believe, in the history of the league at that time. It was crazy. Yeah. And so we we remember all of that. We hold on to that. We want to get back to those days. You guys don't know anything. Well, what, what we your... have what we have seen in our generation is we've seen what we like in other teams. And so that's why I like to point out things like that Bears-style defense and that Ravens-style defense that I think – the Redskins are growing into. And if you can be a defensive powerhouse, it doesn't take much. You just need a few offensive pieces in order to get to that level where you can win some football games. Well, I mean, that's the model that seemed to work with Seattle. So we'll see. We'll, we'll see if that works here. You know, you got to have a front office and a coaching staff that's on the same accord. Um, you got to draft incredibly well. And the people, when you can find Cam Chancellor in the fifth round, you know, come on, man. You draft your quarterback. (laughs) You're right. You got Russell Wilson in the third round. Uh, You picked up uh, Marshawn uh, Beast Mode after his troubles in Buffalo. You know, Mm -hmm. so you put everything together. That's yeah, but I'm saying, I'm talking about the real play. Richard Sherman was yeah. like, what, sixth round? Yeah. I mean, we're talking, you know, Golden Tate was all right. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, let's be real for a second. He, he he was okay, but when I'm I'm talking about the core, you know, the, the dogs. The, uh, yeah, yeah exactly. those, you know, uh, Michael Bennett. I mean, they just did a phenomenal job of drafting. Bobby Wagner, who's now in Baltimore. See, I think that's a team that people aren't paying enough attention to and really disrespecting, which is good for them. Um, I don't think that they're going to have the tremendous defense like we've seen in the past, but I think offensively, man, they're going to be a problem. I think that the the game's going to slow down enough for Lamar Jackson. They're not going to win down the stretch, though. you you got to be honest. I don't know. I don't know, remember, and and they got Mark Ingram. And when you look at Mark Ingram, who's the best back they had since Ray Rice, um, that's going to make Lamar Jackson a lot better back. It's going to also... But Ray Rice uh, was a significantly, significantly better back than Mark Ingram has shown in his career. Do you really? Do you think? I think so. I mean, you have I to mean, think I, about all the years Mark Ingram was sitting up at the Saints. I'm not talking about the breakout year. I'm talking about the years he was 
getting stuck on the two yard two yards off the line of scrimmage. Well, I think that's because they were committed more to the uh, pass game and projecting Drew Brees, and that was, I think, pre-Sean Payton. Because once Sean Payton got there, that whole dynamic changed. No, nah, that was that was Sean Payton. You know, and then he realized what he had in it. You know, Ingram couldn't stay healthy, but when he got his mojo under him, boy, I mean, he can run. He's going to take pressure off. And and they finally got Lamar Jackson some skilled players. And I just want to remind people of a couple of things. All right, A, he may be a Weasley sack of crap, but Bobby Petrino is a hell of an offensive coach who does a great job developing quarterbacks. And that was Lamar Jackson's quarterback when he won the freaking Heisman Trophy as a starter for the University of Louisville. That same Heisman Trophy, I might add, that was won by... I'm already going to the Super Bowl, though I haven't taken a team to the playoffs and won a playoff game, Baker Mayfield. Okay, let's just let, let's just lay it on the line right here, right now. But it was also won by Johnny Manziel. That Heisman, the Heisman doesn't really count for a lot in the league. Uh, but the point I'm trying to say is Mayfield and Jackson are tethered to each other by the fact that they came into the same division like at the same time. Okay, they're both Heisman Trophy quarterbacks. And guess what? Say what you want about Lamar. He got his chance to play. And even with a tricky, gimmicky offense that everybody says doesn't work, it's unsustainable, he's not going to be able to throw in it. But that's the Ravens have always had that gimmicky type offense. They haven't haven't ever had an offense where I'm like, oh, that's that's the offense you want to model your team after. Yeah, but but a they played around the defense, yes. and they've never really had this potential for a serious amount of weapons. They've never really had a receiver like Marquise Hill, who mm. came out of Oklahoma, who can play. They got yeah. that big kid from Notre Dame, uh, Miles Boykin, who can play. Um, they got two tight ends, Hurst, and the other guy who forget. They got some. They got a better set of skill players around Lamar Jackson, I think, than uh, Flacco had, quite frankly. And I, fl- I think, mm. in many respects, he takes a, 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 a bad rap. I really do. Flacco? You know, I, yeah, I do. Oh, I would have loved to have had him in D.C. Uh, for the time he was in Baltimore and see if they could have done something with him. But, you know, that's that's the difference in organizations and coaching and all that. We I can think say that's that for, a, a topic for another show. That's really. an NFL thing where people are NFL fan thing where they like to discredit quarterbacks who have won. I think that's the most ridiculous thing. They'll give more respect to a quarterback that stat-wise looks like he's the guy, but he didn't win a Super Bowl. Then they do yeah. guys like Eli Manning, who won two Super Bowls. Like you can't discredit that. You got to give them their credit. Two of them, and he beat Brady. Exactly. So let's be clear On about both that. of them. There was, there, you know, there've been. Uh, I think Brady's lost what three Super Bowls. Yes. And twice was to Eli Manning, and the other was to uh, Nick Foles. Okay, let's be. Let's just be clear about you know how that but as it relates to Jackson don't sleep on Baltimore talk about running the football controlling their offensive coordinator Greg Nat was the same or offensive coordinator that helped Colin Kaepernick get to the Super Bowl okay so let's be mindful of the fact that 
He can pass better than he's given credit for. He led a team to the playoffs when he got a chance to play last year. And regardless of what happened, a rookie quarterback, despite the fact that gimmicky offense, I'm living through eras of gimmicky offenses, you know, whether it's the wing T or whether it's. Uh, hey, you got to put some respect on the wing T. I'm just saying, you know, it, it, it hadn't been sustainable at the pro level. You know, the elements no, of it school. that they do, they call, well, the wildcat. Okay, um, that's all the wing T is to me. It's like you know, uh, it's old school version of Wildcat. Yeah. But but it was a gimmicky offense. Maybe Baltimore had they had to do what they had to do. But guess what? They won and went to the they won the division and went to the playoffs. The point I'm trying to make is the game is going to slow down this year for him because he was out there facing the bullets. B, I think he will grow from the mistakes that he made. He will make mistakes in the passing game, but I don't think the defense is going to be so bad that they're going to ever be blown out. And you don't want to face a quarterback like Lamar Jackson inside the last two minutes. You can't sack him. No. That's <laughs> At least not now. About that guy. He is a he's a speedy cat. He's somebody that's going to get up and down the field. He's a playmaker, Tiff. Yeah. And my whole thing right now with this era of football is like, you know, everybody wants this classic drop back passer. It's a playmaker's quarterback league. Oh, okay, yeah. quarter, quarterbacks that make plays Nicole. of guys that win yeah. games. And this kid's a playmaker. He may not be prototype, but he's a playmaker. Can he play beyond five years? Can he win a Super Bowl? You know, you know, I, I don't know. You know, even Ben Roethlisberger had to slow it down just a little bit. He can't move anymore the way like he used to. Uh, to make plays outside the pocket, Did but he he's grown into a better. Yeah, he was <laughs> young. Young Ben was 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 a far more athletic quarterback than he is right now, only because father time and a bunch of hits in that North Division. And let's be real uh, for a he's second. He's always been Big Ben. No. Yeah, yeah, but he's always taking some shots. Remember, he took okay, Ray Lewis shots. He took Terrell Suggs shots. He's a tough guy. Uh, Exactly. He took some shots from some decent players Jay, uh, uh, in uh, Cincinnati and Cleveland, too. Uh, North Division was a little bit more tougher than the uh, the NFC, what is that, the, uh, the, e the AFC East. You know, when Brady was being whiffed on by Miami, Buffalo and the Jets for many, many years. You know what I'm saying? But 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 I'm gonna just tell you, don't sleep on Lamar Jackson. He's he's one of those kind of players that I think can be dynamic in his second year. And I think that that, that coaching staff and that franchise is so much smarter than what goes on in Baltimore. I mean in DC. Uh, which is not to say that DC isn't getting smarter. I can I can see the progress though. I can see DC putting some pieces together slowly but surely. They're getting the hang of things. They're identifying where they can pick up players in the meantime without being able to feel all those ailing offensive issues. <laughs> and as an organization, too. I mean, they're, they're, they're making fundamentally sound salary cap decisions. Um, they're prudent with, 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 with the type of free agents that they're going after. I mean, for as much as it was embarrassing that they took the fly on Reuben Foster – what did they end up getting him for nothing? So if he doesn't work out, it loses. 
it, it doesn't cost you anything. Mm-hmm. Uh, he got hurt. He's not available this season in the first week of camp. So if, if he's a spot starter next year and able to make a difference of plays, uh, they've made a, committed to, uh, a commitment to uh, draft Alabama personnel. If you're going to make a commitment to one school and just focus on who they got that's nice, that that's not a bad place to start because they, they always have depth in numbers. Well, first off, let's be clear about something. <laughs> Jay Rudin better have this damn team ready this year. Oh. Okay. <laughs> uh, and, and, and there's no more excuses. This, this, we're coaching them up. We're, we're going to be fine. We're going to get it done. No, dude. Even in losing, you had better look sharp. I need to see progress. I need to see a team that is ready for professional football to start the season. Period. Point blank. I don't want to see a bunch of holding calls. I don't want to see a bunch of offsides penalties. I don't want to see a bunch of illegal motion calls. Those, to me, are things that are attributed to the way the coach prepares his team. Sorry for you. you I'll deal with bad with play calls. Year. Yeah, I'll, 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 I'll deal with bad play calls. You know, every uh, conjecture, second-guessing about the way you call your plays, I can deal all that. But the, the moment you have 15 penalties and you give up 120 yards to open the season, is no longer tolerable. No, it is not. Absolutely not. And that's the one thing I'm looking to see above everything else, how Washington starts the season. I'm looking at Baltimore to see when they pull the veil back on the offense, how good can it be? Because I think Harbaugh, again, is just not respected as a coach, man. I mean, you know, not it's unfortunate. I, 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 it's unfortunate. Well, first off, He's in a division with Mike Tomlin, who really don't get his dad either because nope. of, you know, B squared. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> you know, there's like Belichick and then there's everybody else. Yeah, but in that everybody else, you've got that crucible. And then there's this, there's like, to me, there's like a, a John Harbaugh and a Mike Tomlin. And Tomlin, you know, has gotten the better of Harbaugh. Most of the time, he just uh, Jason Garrett has John, uh, Jay Gruden's number. However, you want to look at I it, I wouldn't say that much. I would. I, I would, would say I would say that he has more weapons. Consistently, he still beats him. He still beats him all the time in close gut wrenching games. That's deeper than that's deeper than um, having his number. I think. Well, uh, you know, you know, record don't lie. Ball don't lie. So uh, <laughs> we may we may be at an impasse by saying the same thing, but Washington don't beat Dallas. Right? Yeah. That's what. It, that's just the unfortunate circumstance. There, I said it. I got it out of me. I've come to the realization. You know, uh, you know, and, and and see, this is so tough for me, Tiffany, because I've had to come to the realization. You know, after years of painful abuse, that. Dallas week normally ends in misery. You know, I, I, I prepare myself not only to tailgate through that game and to responsibly ingest alcoholic beverages to numb my pain. I make sure that there's, uh, you know, copious amounts of, you know, 
wine and beer in the refrigerator. So during the following week, when I come home from work and I try to take my mind off of the disappointment from the previous Sunday or Monday, I still can reach into the refrigerator or go to the bar area to uh, medicate myself. <laughs> well, we'll see with this new developed defense what we can what we can make shape. I don't see that happening with the weapons of Josh Norman and Dominique Rogers Camardi mixed with these young guys. I think Jimmy Moreland. I think that's going to be that that next guy. Did you say weapon? That Josh Morgan is? Norman. Josh Norman is, I'm yeah. sorry? Yeah. Uh, I'm not quite sure. I'm going to look at him as a defense. You don't think that's weapon. a weapon? No. Oh. Not since he got here. I think he's been, uh, heck, if anything, he's been a liability uh, the last couple of years, but I'll grant you he's been hurt. Okay? So I'll, I'll give him the benefit of the doubt. Everybody's there, been weapon. hurt. If you're a Redskin, it, so- it sounds like the fans are hurt. The team is hurt. Everybody's a little hurt. Yeah, we're the mass unit of the NFL. <laughs> and and mass stands for, uh, I believe, uh, mobile something, something hospital. It was a yeah. hospital. Yeah. So when dudes was like, you know, shot at the front, they would go to mass as, and uh, have surgery before coming home as they try to save their lives. You know what I'm saying? And like that's, that's the perfect analogy right now. Yeah. So, so. Basically, um, I'll give Josh, you know, credit for being injured the last couple of years. You know what I'm saying? But um, a weapon to me, a weapon is is Deion Sanders. Oh, you, know, you can't you can't put people yeah, in the yeah, same oh, category. Yeah, I can. Yeah, I no. can. Yeah, because yeah, like yeah. I would a put. A weapon is Richard Sherman a couple years ago. Dudes who would lock down one side of the field, right? Richard Sherman today is a weapon. But see, that's what I'm pointing. Uh, so would you say that Josh Norman is as good as Richard Sherman? Exactly. Um, <laughs> exactly. Now, but that exactly. doesn't discredit the fact that he is still a superior back in this league i'll put him in the category of like of that that guy who's gonna get down and dirty and stay consistent in that who josh norman i think he shows up when it's necessary especially if he has a team around him i think he's gonna have a team team around him see Deion sanders i saw in atlanta he had no team around him but you can't compare Deion to anybody Deion was the back if you think about back you think Deion. you can't that's like comparing but to me, that's a weapon. That's a lockdown corner. I mean, there were guys like when Darrell Revis was young, he was in that category. But that, those are icons. They, look, weapon is those somebody are weapons, that can... though. They were game changers. Those were people that could turn a offensive mistake into points for your team. You know, Ed Reed was a was a weapon. Sean Taylor, God rest his soul, was a was weapon. A weapon. Um, so uh, those are guys when I Josh Norman had one great season and parlayed himself into uh life changing, life changing financial security. No, he didn't hit him, but he was okay. But I mean, he had more than uh, a season, Tiffany. He had one season in, in, in Charlotte and became the Apple, and, and, and look at it. He had some good seasons, and he has continued to be a guy that 
can be used as a weapon. I stand by that. You're comparing guys that are icons. You can't. No, that's comparing like comparing a Devin weapons. Booker. Weapons. I'm talking like guys. You know, Dale Green was a weapon. Okay, let's be clear about that. Daryl Green, and just ask the Chicago Bears about the weapon that Daryl Green was. Yeah. All right, whether he was locking down their receivers or returning punts in the NFC Championship game after tearing rib cartilage, which is an, another tremendous moment that we haven't done uh, right by generationally to pass that legacy down to you. I mean, uh, those those people were weapons. You know, Lester Haynes and Mike Haynes was a weapon. Those people was a weapon. These people that you listen, these are just icons in the game. They're icons. They're weapons, weapons. and they're just players. They yes, of course. If you're an icon in the game, of course you're a weapon. But you're more than that. You are somebody that. So you're saying that Josh Norman is a weapon. It should be in that same category that those icons are. Oh, no. Oh, no, no, no. But he's still a weapon. I can't give him weapon status. Yeah, I think he's a solid player that contributes to a defense, and you could do a lot worse than him, but a weapon? A game changer? Okay, so somebody, where, would you put, where would you put Hayden at? Joe Hayden? Yeah. A solid NFL quarterback. They, they're even, and they are both very good corners in this right. league today. They're, they're, they're very they're solid good corners. corners. I don't think Joe Hayden, after the injuries, again, because I saw him at Friendly a lot when he was playing both sides of the football before. You know, I remember I remember, it's funny because I remember both uh, Joe Hayden and Vontae Davis as quarterbacks and the rest of the country remembers them as cornerbacks. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and there was nothing like the Friendly Dunbar matchup when both of them were under center. <laughs> so maybe you know that's the I'm next saying? guy we can get. Get him back home. Well, I, I, I think Vontae played himself out, and and Joe is, I think, comfortable in Pittsburgh. Yeah, he's comfortable there, but I think that that's a guy that we should probably look look at down well, the line. Very well, solid weapons. <laughs> well, uh, there you go. He can't run back kicks anymore like he used to. You know what I'm saying? You know. Yeah, but, but, we again, for that. We'll find weapons. someone else to do that. Remember, weapons are supposed to be game changers. And I don't see Josh Jay Norman, Norman has been a game changer. And so has What Hayden. game has he changed when we've only made the playoffs maybe one time since he's been here? But that's what beyond him. Those issues no, are not. beyond him. It's not. No, it's not. And he's been victimized in big games and critical situations. Now, again, I don't want to disparage the guy and say that he's like some low-life trash bum that you need to put on the, you know, waiver list. No, I'm not saying that at all. I'm not. I'm just saying that when you, you know, we, and again, Tiffany, I don't mean to sound like a crotchety old curmudgeon here, but we go around throwing the term like weapons and legend around. Like it's, you know, water. And and I look at some of the people that we've given rec- a legendary status to for the generation of the last 20 years. Like who? Clinton, like who? Clinton Portis. Who said I, he was a weapon? Or who said, a, who said let, he was let, a legend? Let, let, let a lot of people tell you Clinton Portis is a burgundy and gold legend. You put his statistics up there amongst the greats like Larry Brown and a burgundy Bobby Mitchell and gold. And, uh, and, uh, That's and all different. That. A Redskins legend is very different than yeah, a Yeah, but I'm saying, w- w- 
And for purposes of this conversation, that's what we're talking about. We're talking about legendary figures in the annals of burgundy and gold lore. And I'm like, whoa, 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 whoa. Let's, let, 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 let's pump the brakes on that. You know, Larry Brown on bad knees before there was the oscilloscope got a freaking team to the Super Bowl. I mean, you know, come on. Uh, he was as big a factor as anything Washington had at that time. Uh, they just didn't win. I mean, Larry Brown was an awesome guy. And for his era and what he did at that time, I don't think what Clinton Portis did during his era matches up. I don't hear too many uh, newbies or folks. But the uh, thing is, with that, you also have to look at it for from the perspective, especially if you're just talking about a team. The Redskins, their legends. You got to give credit where credit's due. For that generation, Clinton Portis, he was that guy. So you can't you can't say, oh, he didn't give anything to the team because during that that time frame, he was the person that was being productive. He didn't necessarily take them to the playoffs, but it's not on just one person to do that. Now there's superior right. talent that rises above throughout the generations, but that doesn't take anything from anybody else. It's just saying that I mean. Give them their respect, but identify the icons and the weapons. I think that he was more legendary for his stuff that happened in the locker room when he put on those <laughs> costumes and did his characters. Dude, there was nothing like Dollar Bill. Uh, you know, four quarters, ten dimes, twenty nickels, hundred pennies, Dollar Bill. Uh, it really was, man. He 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 mastered the auto play. Uh, putting himself into icon status. You know what I'm saying? But in terms of productivity on the field, to me, as an old school fan with at least, you know, uh, wow, I don't want to admit this, damn near 50 years of fandom coming up. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, quite frankly, you know, my standards are a little different. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like, oh, uh, yeah. Okay, you know, and, and did you did you win me a Super Bowl? No, sir. <laughs> did you get me to an NFC Championships game? No, sir. Okay, man, you're making this a little tough on me, there, Clinton. It sounds um, like you're just a little mad that we haven't been winning, but I don't uh, think you can take anything I, from the athlete. Uh, uh, absolutely, these dudes have gotten paid. <laughs> Oh, oh, come on. Yeah, yeah. See, see, that's the flip course. You know, um, I can't really, and especially with football players who are notoriously disrespectful to their fans and then want us to feel sorry for them. You don't know what we go through. And neither do you about what I'm going through after I pay these enormous sums of money to go out here sit in the cold and watch you lose yeah. <laughs> for years. Yeah. And but you just tell me, oh, well, I don't worry about the fans. Y'all got a miserable life. It's bigger than just that, though. It's bigger than just the fan experience or the player experience. Of course, there has to be a cohesive community. But also, too, I think that we... We have to also look at things from a perspective of when we call these guys bums or we say, oh, they're, just, they're trash or he's not it. This guy is the best at what he does for where he's at. Meaning, you on the, you at home, you couldn't do that. You couldn't hit that gap like that. You couldn't hit that gap even though you know he didn't hit that gap. 
I don't, I'm not supposed to. I'm paying to watch him hit that gap. And if he doesn't hit that gap, that's on him, okay? Let's be clear about that. I'm not going to uh, say that, you know, and, and, and in another respect, people do have a right to formulate their opinions. Absolutely. We are a country that at least temporarily has a First Amendment, which guarantees you free speech. I don't agree with some of this stuff. A lot of the stuff that people are say, saying, but I do respect their right to say it if Absolutely. they feel it. Absolutely. All right. And fans who spend hard earned money and make an emotional investment to a team have the right to feel as though that team should uh, win or, or perform at a high level. I just, I, you know, and, and, and don't be asking for sympathy when you're making 18 million dollars a year and not producing based upon my expectations and oh yeah they are my expectations why because you're making 18 million dollars a year you work six to nine months and you have a off season where you can do nothing well my final question is where do the redskins end up at the end of the season do they make the playoffs where do you see them ranking out I think they're going to finish on the outside looking in. I think they'll give us hope for the future. I think this is a year where we start scratching the surface and start seeing a new era. I see somewhere between 7 and 9 and 9 and 7. I don't think – I think they start slow. They finish with a flurry. And uh, we'll be back again this time next year looking at a team that's a legitimate wild card contender. Absolutely. And – you know, we'll see. Now, again, if if Carson Wentz goes down, if uh, Ezekiel Elliott sits out the first month, six weeks, and the Cowboys end up at like two and four, that could change the dynamic. But all things considered, I just think that there's Dallas and Philly at the top of the division, and then Washington and the Giants battle stay out the cellar. All right. Well, thank you so much, Mark, for joining me on Riled Up. It was a pleasure. It's always a pleasure. Yeah, you got me riled up. I think I got to go to the gym right now and uh, lift heavily. <laughs> yeah, we got to do part two. We have some yeah. things we got to touch on again. Yeah, well, okay. And in the meantime, instead of going to get, you know, do the curls for the girls, you know, those 25, 50-pound curls, <laughs> I'm probably going to give me some 16 to 32-ounce curls. <laughs> I'll just have a foamy head on top of it. How about All that? Right. Riled <laughs> up, riled up. All right. Appreciate you. All right. Thank you. Well, I thanked Mark, and I have to say thank you to those faithful listeners of Riled Up. This was a lengthier podcast for us. We don't like to keep y'all too long, but I hope you enjoyed the engagement. As usual, I hope you stay riled up. We are riled up to bring you the hottest Redskin topics with a twist. My name is Tiffany Hoy. You can follow me on Instagram at TTAlegend. That's T-T-A-L-E-G-E-N-D. Thank you so much, and stay riled up.